Looking to recharge your prayer life this year? Jesus Listens is a new 365-day prayer devotional from Sarah Young. Available now at JesusCalling.com slash Jesus Listens. People ask me, and it's like, what gives you the confidence to actually face risks like those types of things in mining? And, you know, I believe that I'm on a journey with Christ. I'm on a journey that is controlled by something beyond myself, which I believe I'm walking hand in hand with God. And even though I make mistakes, it's like I believe that all things work together for the good for those who love Jesus. And I truly believe that. Welcome to the Jesus Calling Podcast. Jesus' parable of the shrewd manager in Luke 16 has been regarded as one of the most puzzling passages in the New Testament. Nevertheless, one takeaway is clear. Jesus prays of the manager's ability to adapt to his changing circumstances in the face of imminent financial collapse. What he models could be called, in modern terms, a growth mindset, a mindset that flexes to meet life's challenges. All three of our guests today espouse this teachable spirit. Discovery Channel's Todd Hoffman has learned to adapt to the rigors of excavating, exploring, and gold prospecting. He's learned as much, if not more, from his mistakes navigating the world of gold mining as from his successes. Pastor Adam Hamilton and his wife, LaVon, have had to use the same adaptability in their lives as spouses and parents. They speak about the challenging transitions of parenting kids as they become adults. Let's start with Todd's story. So I am Todd Hoffman, part of the Hoffman family, which includes, you know, my boys, Hudson, and Hunter that you'll see on the TV show. But also I'm the son of Jack Hoffman and um, we created the show Gold Rush on Discovery Channel many years ago through an adventure of gold mining. I grew up, we were kind of lower middle class family in uh, Northeast Portland. And through my early years, you know, I kind of knew that my family was a little different because we actually went to church and my dad was an elder at the church. And so I started feeling like different, like uh, I felt like God had a different path in my life. And I accepted Jesus when I was really young. I think that that has formed me in now we reach millions and millions of people. Like if we're able to get a prayer on the show, to me that's like huge because we're in 200 countries in 120 languages. And so being able to be on TV and gold mine, I, we have heavy equipment. I mean, I dig up raw gold from the ground. I dig up, you know, 50 to 100,000 year old ivory tusks from woolly mammoths. I mean, I do a lot of cool stuff. And so that kind of is, is allowed me to walk a path. Whereas when I do show my faith, there's a lot of guys out there that are encouraged. And, you know, that's, that's kind of the big thing for me. I don't care about the fame and I do care about the, the reach uh, when it comes to my faith. I'm not a gold miner. 
I am much more than that. I'm not just a dirt processor. Gold mining is processing dirt, right? Um, I do a lot more than that. I, I do other things besides just gold mining. People, when it comes to gold mining, they're like, how did you get involved in it? Because we were in the city. We grew up, I grew up in the city like everybody else. I was playing baseball and, you know, going to games. And one day my dad was sitting in the stands at a, at a baseball game. And the guy next to him had a claim in Alaska. And he said, Jack, do you want to lease my claim and go mine it? And my dad's like, okay, yeah. I've always wanted to, I've heard about it. I've read it in books. So anyways, we start putting equipment together and away we go. We start mining. I, I think I was maybe 14 or 15 and we're building things and we put, we bought a dozer and we put it on a train and sent it up to outside of Fairbanks, 120 miles north of Fairbanks. I think we, my dad even borrowed money. So talk about something that you would not advise somebody to do, we did it and we still do. So our family is just that way. We go up, launch into it. Uh, we, we broke even possibly maybe lost some money during those years. This was in the eighties. Gold went up in price and then it went back down. And so everybody got back out of gold mining, but I always had this thing in my head. I said, you know what? If I get a chance to do this again, I'm gonna to try to do this again. And then about 2009, gold started taking off, economy's down. And I told my dad, I said, man, we're gonna, if we're gonna try this, we've always talked about going back, this is it. This is our one chance. And so I was able to kind of put some equipment together. I told my parents, I said, you know, I got a feeling that this would make a good reality show. So I uh, found a little company in England, put a teaser together, took it to the Discovery Channel, and they were like, we'll take it. We'd like to follow this adventure. And that's how Gold Rush started. It was um, a gift from the Lord. I had an idea, and I was able to just kind of develop it along, make the right calls, and next thing you know, we're in the middle of a reality show doing gold mining that we know nothing about really. And that's kind of how we got started in mining and in television. I'm the creator of Gold Rush. I'm the creator of the biggest show on the history of Discovery Channel. Now, that wasn't created in New York or LA, it was created in Sandy, Oregon by an idea that was given to me by the Lord. It was given to me by God. I was coming out of a really dark time in my life, you know? Um, we had some issues in my marriage and my wife and I, and it was kind of depressed and coming out of that and trying to fix things in my marriage. And that's when God kind of met me and he, and I said, I need a good idea and I need something new to believe in. And and that's when I, I got that vision of Gold Rush. Now, over the years, I've learned how to mine a little bit better. And through trial and error, I've had some wins. 
One year I, I dug up over 3,000 ounces. People don't know that, uh, which in today's world is uh, one summer was about five point something million dollars in gold, right? So, you know, you, you learn things by getting what's called a college education, and sometimes that's good and sometimes it's painful. I had a real painful time when I lived in the jungle. So I've learned a lot over the years, but I, I am never going to say that I'm a professional gold miner because I'm just like everybody at home. I wanted, you know, I just wanted to live out the dream of gold mining. And um, when I was able to turn it into a TV show, that's when we exposed that, that little world, placer mining, to, to the rest of the world. And that, that's where it kind of changed our lives. And um, it's been a whirlwind over the years. It's a scary business. There's so many pitfalls in the industry with price of fuel, equipment, breakdowns. You have all these regulations and things like that. Probably the darkest time in mining was when I was in the jungle and I saw what they were doing down there. It's a mess. They are, yes, they are ripping up the rainforest. This is happening. Is there regulations going on down there? Absolutely not. It's a horrible mess. People were getting buried down there in little avalanches. And the rule of thumb is if you kill one of your workers, you have to pay their family $4,500 US and you're good. And that's what's going on in the jungle. It's like life doesn't mean anything down there. And that was the darkest point. I said, you know, I wasn't getting gold and the way to get the gold is you gotta destroy, you gotta, you gotta mine like everybody else. And I'm like, I'm not doing it. And so it's not fun going on worldwide TV and only getting like two ounces or three ounces for the summer and failing on worldwide TV. But you know what, I came out of that with my integrity. It's like the old story of the man in the arena, right? I was in the arena down there. And I built a compound in the middle of the jungle and lived down there, mined and did a lot of things. Ran rivers and got robbed and those types of things. I mean, we lived in adventure, almost like a, like you'd read in a pirate book or something. I mean, it was, it's crazy. So I think that that was my fourth year of gold mining, but I don't think I'd trade that experience down there for anything. People ask me, and it's like, what gives you the confidence to actually face risks like those types of things and mining and those types of things? And, you know, I believe that I'm on a journey with Christ. I'm on a journey that is controlled by something beyond myself, which I believe I'm walking hand in hand with God. And even though I make mistakes, it's like I believe that all things work together for the good for those who love Jesus. And I truly believe that. And uh, there's not a lot of fear in, lot in, you know, when it creeps in, I know that, uh, you know, usually that's not from God, it's from something else. I am no poster boy for the faith because I am just a work in progress. I am saved by grace. I am a sinner. We are to talk about the Lord. We are to share our faith to people that will listen. 
and they will not like you for that. So you'll see on the internet, I take a lot of heat for how I look and how I mind, and like they hate that I talk about the Lord sometimes, and it's like, um, that's okay, you know? At the end of the day, every single one of us, now listen to this, every single one of us is going to die and stand before the Lord, and you are going to be accountable. Nobody gets off the hook. So. I have decided to accept that free gift that Jesus Christ offered us on the cross and accept him as my Lord and Savior and his blood has covered my sins. The Lord knows there's a lot of them and uh, my family all feels the same way. It's like the verse says that, you know, me and this mine, will uh, we're gonna serve the Lord. We try to serve the Lord the best we can and we fail, but we get back up and we ask for forgiveness and we carry on. So being grounded in God and, you know, ministries like Jesus Calling, these are important things to, to actually reach out and to give people the avenue to try to replug back in because a lot of people give up. And do not give up. You cannot give up. You have to keep striving even when you feel like you're less than or that you have um, missed the mark. You're not alone. You, sh you need to get into communion with other Christians because there's strength in numbers. Tune in to Todd's newest show, Hoffman Family Gold, on the Discovery Channel. Stay with us for Adam and LaVon Hamilton's story after a brief message. Motherhood. It's a journey like no other, teeming with love, unparalleled dedication, and moments that pierce the very essence of your soul. It's a trek that demands to be celebrated, lauded, and embraced in its entirety. Celebrate the moms in your life this Mother's Day with two beautiful gift books, Jesus Calling for Moms by Sarah Young and Grace for the Moment for Moms by Max Licato. These heartfelt devotionals will remind the moms in your life just how special they are. Jesus Calling for Moms and Grace for the Moment for Moms are available now where all books are sold. During times of transition and unknown next steps, it's more important than ever to cling to the promises of God and to tune your ear to what Jesus has to say. Jesus Calling for Graduates is an encouraging compilation of 150 devotions from Sarah Young's brand. Grads will find topics such as discerning God's will, self-worth, trust, support, and much more. Jesus Calling for Graduates is perfect for both high school and college graduates as they embark on the next chapter. Look for a special custom edition of Jesus Calling for Graduates, available exclusively at faithgateway.com. Our next guests are Adam and LaVon Hamilton. Adam is a pastor and founder of the United Methodist Church of the Resurrection, the largest and most influential United Methodist congregation in the world. Here, they talk about their life of over 32 years together, raising kids through adulthood, and some of the lessons they've learned through seasons of transition. My name is Adam Hamilton. I'm the senior pastor at the United Methodist Church of the Resurrection in the Kansas City area. And uh, I am also husband to LaVon and uh, dad to Danielle and Rebecca and, and Papa to Stella. 
And my name is LaVon Hamilton. I'm wife to Adam and grandma or Mimi to Stella and <laughs> mama to two daughters. I grew up in a home where my parents divorced when I was five years old and my mother remarried when I was 12. I have one sister and grew up in central Illinois. When I was a freshman in high school, we moved to the Kansas City area and I found a church there that I like going to and I happened to meet a boy named Adam <laughs> and that was when I was a sophomore in high school and he was a freshman. And then we became friends and it wasn't until my senior year that we started dating and soon after that we were married by the time he was 17 and I was 18. You know, there were two periods of time that I feel like were the most challenging in our marriage. <clears throat> One was when we had children. And this is almost every survey. We just surveyed at Church of the Resurrection, uh, 7,500 people talking about their relationships. And we always find that one of the most challenging times that marriage satisfaction goes down when you start having kids. And then when we take a look at that period of, you know, 25 years in when, um, when our kids moved away, you know, each of them had moved out. And it was, I think, harder for you when the kids moved out. You want to say anything about that? Well, I, I don't know if that's true, if it's true that moms have a harder time or not. I don't know. But I think you were so wrapped up in the busyness of your life, of the church and writing books and all the things that you had going on. My main focus was the kids. And I think once they left, that focus was gone. And that's where I had to transition into something new. Another transition in life is always when your kids grow up and you have to change the way that you parent because you parent one way when they're little and something completely different when they're older. And I think that's that's a, always hard to make that shift sometimes when you are used to focusing on them and worrying about them and setting rules up, setting boundaries up, worrying if they're going to get into the right school, worrying if they're studying the right thing. And then they become adults and you no longer should have that control over your children, that they have their own freedom and their own way of doing things. And I think your role changes then and becomes one more of a cheerleader as a support person, as an advisor, if they want it. And yeah. it's a huge transition in life. I think you always have to be flexible as a parent. And I'm not sure I was very flexible because I like rules and boundaries and I want to know what you're supposed to do now and what the right answer is. But as your children, you know, you have a baby and as that baby grows, they change and they develop. And as they do that, I think it's important to reassess how you're parenting and try to change to fit that. We had to learn to dance differently right. in different phases. And I think the same thing was true with our children. When when we had children at first, that was both hard, but also awesome and fantastic. And But you're constantly learning and neither of us, you know, nobody really knows here's all the right things to do as a parent. So you're praying hard and you're trying to get it right. And, and you know, you're going to miss it sometimes. And then I thought, once they turn 18, I won't worry about them anymore. We'll yeah. be done. I really, honestly, somehow in my mind, I thought once they're 18, you don't worry anymore. Then I came to find out I actually worried about them more when they moved away to go to college and what was happening in their lives. And they were making you didn't decisions. You know what was going on in their lives. Well, you didn't know. And sometimes they were making decisions that would not have been the decisions that you, you would have made. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that also ties into their faith. You know, they grew up in a pastor's home. And so, you know, when you start pushing back and trying to figure out who you are, you start asking questions. Maybe you start pushing back on your faith. You're, and all of these things that were so important to us in our home, that begins to change. And, 
there was a lot of worry and a lot of fretting and there was some frustration. And the way we parent is completely different. I mean, we no longer are setting rules or worrying about, you know, what they're going to be doing next or, you know, having a say in that. Our role now parenting our adult children is more of one of a cheerleader, of a advocate of somebody who's there to support and to advise if we're asked, but to try to be careful in how much advice you give and not to give unsolicited advice. Which is really hard. Which is very hard. <laughs> Especially when they have children and Especially then you're, and then you're watching children. them parent their children. And you see that they're doing it different than you did it and you think, oh, well, that's not the right way to do it. Uh -huh. <laughs> Let me tell you how to do it. Yeah, yeah. I also think you, you mentioned about being cheerleader and I feel like with my with the girls, I try to, you know, I'll either send them a text or I'll, you know, sometimes it's a call, leave a voicemail or whatever, but it's just say, hey, I'm so proud of you. Or I, you know, to look specifically at things that they've done. One of our daughters is a lawyer and, you know, I've had a chance on a couple of occasions to go to the court, you know, to go to court and watch her, you know, in action, not as much as I wish I have, but, but, you know, to be able to say, I'm, I just, I'm so proud of who you are and the character that you have and the way you, you know, the way you do these things. And, and I've tried to actually all their growing up years to look for things to be able to praise them for, to encourage them about. But, you know, I think that's important that they know that their mom and dad believe in them, that they are proud of them, that they care about them. I would hope that no matter, I mean, as long as we're still alive, that we're finding ways to parent, that you're still finding ways to show them love and care and, and to be that parent. And I know as we age, the tables kind of turn and they start helping take care of us. But I think that no matter how old you are, you can still look for those ways that you can be mom or dad to your children. I think in a lot of ways, Adam and I are very opposite people. He is a big picture person. I am a more detailed person. He is a visionary that's looking far into the future and has our retirement plan. And I very much like to be at home by myself. And I'm good with not going out. You want to go out every night of the week. I like to be around people and I have introvert tendencies too, but you know, there's a lot of little things like, you know, you always wanted to learn to dance and I, when we took dance lessons, I hated it. I, you know, I knew this mattered to you and it was going to be something you would enjoy. And I remember just thinking every single time, I don't want to do this, but now I really enjoy dancing with you. And I would have never done that were it not for your saying, Hey, this is something that's important to me. So this is a little side note, but I think these are in so many ways the best years of our lives. And I feel like every, a lot of times when you're in your twenties or thirties, you think, oh, well, you know, it's all downhill from here. But I feel like all of our best years were way after thirties. You know, there were some things that were great at that time. I'm not, not denying that, but I feel like we have more joy. There is more satisfaction in life. I think we feel more in love with each other today than at any point in our past. That's true. But something that does surprise me, or if you had asked me when I was 18 years old, what would have surprised you when you've been married 40 years? And I would have thought that somebody who had been married, a couple who had been married 40 years would have had everything figured out, that there wouldn't be that many challenges. But as you progress through life, there's always going to be challenges that come up. You have to figure out how do you transition together? How do you relearn the dance steps for this phase in your life? Because it doesn't, the dance, the music doesn't stay the same throughout your whole life. It changes. I think it's important each day to take our time 
alone with God. And I think as we do that and we strengthen our own faith and we grow in our relationship with God, then we also are more capable of being the spouse that we need to be. And that strengthens our marriage in turn. And I think that from the very beginning of our marriage, we've had a shared call. We've had a shared call to follow Christ. We've had a shared call to work, to see his kingdom come here on earth. And you know, your whole ministry and the work that you've done in building the church has been that same vision that we have to have people come to know Christ. And you can't do that without every day taking time for yourself to make sure that your faith is in the right place, that your relationship with Christ is in the right place so that you can have a relationship with your spouse. And I just think if you're not thinking daily about that calling, if you're not sacrificing daily for that other person that you have been called to love and care for, then it's not going to be successful. You can't, you know, live the Christian life if you're not actually, you know, in your heart striving to do this. And if you're not quietly listening for God, if you're not striving to read scripture, if you're not spending time in prayer, if you are not yielding yourself to God, you can't lead other people there. And so I think this is an essential, it's out of the, it's out of what's going on in our spiritual life that we end up living our faith towards other people or failing to live it if we're not having that kind of quiet time. So I do think that, you know, the idea of daily time in prayer, daily time in scripture, daily time reflecting or meditating upon scripture is really important. And, you know, I've known many people have used Jesus calling in their daily lives, you know, and they, so many times they'll feel like the Holy Spirit speaks right through that or, you know, in Jesus listens and what Sarah Young is doing with this, the, the idea of praying, you know, laying out prayers that are rooted and grounded in scripture is really important. The times when I'm spending more time in scripture or spending more time in prayer or, you know, more yielding myself to God, the more I feel love for you and the more patient I am and the better husband I am, there's a direct correlation between our spiritual life and our time with God and how we live out our faith towards the people that are closest to us. It's easy to fake it when you're around people for a short period of time, whether I'm greeting people as they walk out the door at church or, you know, it's in the store or something else. It's much harder when you live with somebody and the frustrations in the day in and day out stuff. But that's where our faith you know, plays an even more critical role. And so that daily taking time to listen, taking time to pray, offering ourselves to Christ, inviting the Holy Spirit to lead us is critical for having the kind of marriages I think God intends us to have. To learn more about Adam and LaVon and their church, visit the United Church of the Resurrection at cor.org. If you'd like to hear more stories about parenting, check out our interview with Dr. Meg Meeker. Next time on the Jesus Calling Podcast, we hear from best friends Walker Hayes and Craig Cooper, a country music artist and pastor who formed a friendship at a time when Walker's family desperately needed help, and so did his relationship with God. I quit drinking while knowing Craig, which is crazy to, uh, to, to walk with somebody um, closely through that. I mean, he saw, he saw God's redemption front row, front and center, mm-hmm. you know, with that. Craig and I are, are brothers. I mean, we're more than the concept of brothers. And, um, you know, we're, we're family. And um, yeah, it's just comforting. Want to hear more inspirational stories of people who have been changed by a closer walk with God? 
Then subscribe today to the Jesus Calling Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please be sure to leave a review, which helps us reach and inspire others with these stories. Plus, if you like seeing our guests as well as hearing them, you can find video interviews available on our YouTube channel at youtube.com Jesus Calling Book on Facebook and on the Jesus Calling Instagram page.